Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, we're, we've got Cameron Cole. We're going to talk about youth ministry and the Advent's place in that, uh, not just uh, locally, but actually on a national and international scale about how God has blessed us. But before we get started, let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, uh, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to speak to us this day, that you would um, give us hearts uh, for uh, uh, a age group that sometimes is hard to love. Uh, but Lord, uh, you uh, see them as precious in your sight. And Lord, uh, how are they know uh, of your great love unless someone is to tell them? Uh, Lord, bless them. Uh, bless the people who minister to them. Uh, give them strength. Give them courage. Give them peace. Give them patience. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. All right, so Cameron, uh, how long have you been uh, here on staff at the Advent? In uh, 2005, on All Saints Sunday, I came for my official visit. Really? Yeah. This is, this is uh, 12, 11. 11-year anniversary of, of my like first visit to the church. So this is my 12th school year. 12th school year. And... Um, you, uh, so you, you've, you've been around the track. Uh, to be a youth minister that long uh, is remarkable, but it's especially remarkable to be a youth minister for that long in one place. Uh, what's the shelf life of the average youth minister? The uh, national average in the United States is 18 months. 18 and months. Advent has had two youth minister, two youth directors since 1992. That's pretty amazing. And the, and the other one's still here. Right. Yeah, Gil Cracky. Gil Cracky was here. Uh, well, still is with us, just not doing that anymore. Uh, and so why, why, is the, why is the tenure so short? 18 months at a church. Yeah, there are a number of factors in that. One is uh, youth Move your thing up a little What's bit. What's that? Move that up a little bit so we can. Oh, okay. uh, there are a number of reasons. Um, in most churches, youth pastors aren't supported particularly well. Usually a head pastor will hire a youth minister and kind of it's something to check off the box um, as far as like you need to have that on your website. And they, the, the, the head pastor generally doesn't know anything about youth ministry and they just kind of trust that you have this winsome, energetic role and you say, hey, go get them. And they generally aren't invested in a tremendous amount and then they're not paid very well typically. So usually when someone gets married or has kids, they can't afford to stay in youth ministry because the pay is usually so bad. Um, and it's also, um, hours are awful usually. Um, usually people work, you know, you know, you have to kind of be working when kids are, you know, kids are out of school, so a lot of times people work. Yeah. Is God calling you to youth ministry? It's not, it's also too, it's not the kind of thing when you're at a cocktail party with your high school friends that, you know, it's, it doesn't really... It's not comparable to say telling people you're in medical school or you're in investment banking and youth, youth pastor. I, I can remember I'd been here for five years and someone asked me what I did for my full-time job. <laughs> and then I had someone in my family ask me what I was going to do when I grew up when I was like 32. So yeah. it's just not the sexiest uh, yeah. industry, I'll say. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned that a lot of senior pastors have no idea uh, what youth ministry is, but actually before I get to that, I mean, do some people see youth ministry as just a stepping stone? Is that also an issue where, where you know, they're like, I want to do ministry, but I'm too young to do anything else, so I'll just do youth ministry, and then when I get older, I'll do real ministry? Yeah, I think that's true. I don't think that's actually really a bad thing, though, because, I mean, it is a, it, a one positive thing about youth ministry is usually 
you have a lot of determination and autonomy over the vision of your ministry. Um, and you get to teach a lot. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're an assistant pastor, say you come out of seminary and you're an assistant pastor, most churches you're not going to get to preach and teach a whole lot. Whereas if you're a youth pastor, you're going to get to teach and preach a ton. Right. And, and yeah, that, that, that is true. And I think if, if for some people, if there's a youth pastor who is using their position as a stepping stone, the kids generally can sense that, hmm. and they generally don't warm up to that person. Yeah. You had mentioned uh, that, can you all hear Cameron in the back? No. Are you turned on? Um. <laughs> Grow up. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. All right. Now the microphone is on. He's turned on. All right. Now try yeah. it. There yeah. You go. There you go. There you go. Oh, gosh. Strong like ox, smart like tractor. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, <clears throat> you had mentioned that a lot of seniors. Now we got a problem. Senior, we're sitting too. You're sitting too close. Um, uh, uh, so you said senior pastors really don't um, have a good understanding of youth ministry. What are, they, what are some of the wrong ideas that they have about youth ministry? Where are the deficiencies? And probably not just senior pastors, but the general public. Yeah, totally. Um, so historically, um, youth ministry has kind of been, a lot of people have seen it as like a, uh, as a holding tank where we try to prevent kids from getting their girlfriends pregnant or from getting a DUI before they go to college. <laughs> Um, that I say, you know, I say that tongue in cheek, but you know, principally, uh, people have seen youth ministry basically as a place where we take kids, we tell them a ton of rules: um, don't drink, don't smoke, don't have premarital sex, be nice, say yes or no sir, all this kind of stuff. Um, but there's not really any kind of Christian depth or Christian substance to it, and so um, you kind of have two problems. One, and, and a lot of times, I mean, it's true. If you're a teenage parent, you're, you just kind of live in terror especially after your child gets their license, um, because, you know, it's just really scary. There, there are a lot of destructive things they can do, and lots of things happen, and so generally a lot of people are really afraid when we're talking about adolescence. And so as a result, historically, a lot of times people um, have approached ministry to young people in that way, where they essentially just try to modify their behavior. They try to kind of scare them out of, out of doing bad things, and so that, that tends to be a model. And so with senior pastors, some of them just kind of buy into that. They just, you know, parents are afraid. This is what parents want. This is what we're going to do. Um, also, a lot of senior pastors are just, what we're seeing, you know, in our interactions with youth pastors around the country through Rooted, is a lot of senior pastors are not aware that the old models of youth ministry have proven to be a total failure, like a complete and total failure. And so they're continuing, you know, they grew up with this mentality of, Let's, do, let's entertain the kids, let's have fun, let's get them down here to eat some pizza and play some dodgeball, and, and you know, let's, let's, not, let's make it fun. That's kind of the attracting them to the church is the key you know, objective, and they're not aware that like, all of the research is saying that that has resulted in a miserable failure in forming kids who have like, sustainable, lifelong faith in Christ. Yeah. So tell us about that. So if, if a kid is growing up in a youth ministry or in a church that says, you know, Christianity is primarily about following the rules. You know, mm-hmm. don't mess around with your, your girlfriend or boyfriend. Don't mm-hmm. drink. Uh, don't whatever. Um, and then they go off to college. What happens? Yeah, so, and, and I think it's worth us, you know, saying, like, we're all about the, you know, God's commands. You know, we, we teach the kids, like, we do teach the kids, like, the Bible says not to have premarital sex. The Bible says not That's to drink underage. You know, like we we teach these things. We're in a, 
in no way, um, you know, speaking negatively against Christian morality and ethics. Um, but, um, so basically, I mean, just to kind of go into a little bit of the history, and, and this is relevant to what we're talking about with Rooted, um, you know, youth ministry is a relatively new field. Uh, it's, as we know it in the church, you know, in terms of having a programmatic youth ministry, it has its origins about, you know, 60 years ago. It's after, after World War II, people saw how um, the Nazis in Germany were able to capture the energy of adolescence and youth in Germany. And people were really, really afraid, and uh, they, especially because communism was in the air. And so the thinking was, okay, the Nazis leveraged teenagers for evil. We're going to leverage teenagers for good. And in terms of churches having programmatic youth ministry, um, that's, kind of, that's kind of the history of it. Well, around the turn of the century, uh, people started to ask, churches had dumped tons of money and resources in youth ministries, and they started to ask, you know, is this working? Like, is this, is this effective? And they, they expected positive outcomes. What they found was that the church had been a complete failure at forming young people with lasting faith in Christ. So they found that there were probably, there were about eight different uh, surveys that examined this. And when you put them all together, they average out to about 70% of kids who grew up in a church, who grew up in a youth ministry, did not return to the church after high school. And some of the research even found, um, uh, found that a person who grew up in a non-Christian home, not going to church, was about as likely to end up as a church-going Christian as someone who grew up in right. a youth ministry. So it could be argued that youth ministries were, in fact, repelling people from Christianity. And so that was the first layer, layer of research, was you know, seeing if it was working. When they found out that it was not working, the second layer of research was looking into why, why are we so ineffective. I mean, think about this. A 30% success rate. That's only good if you play Major League Baseball. And so... Um, so they found three major factors into why, um, why churches were so ineffective at forming kids with lasting faith. One was churches were segregating kids from the life of the church. Kids were in children's chapel, um, or they were in the youth room, or in the youth service, and they were, never, they were never engaged in the life of the church as a whole. So they didn't know how to be an actual church member. And so they would go, they you know, get out of high school and they either go into the working world or to college, they'd show up at a church and they didn't have any experience sitting in the pews with older people or the young family with the baby and they just they felt socially awkward so they would leave. So that was one factor. A second factor was churches were doing nothing to equip parents in the spiritual leadership of their kids. They weren't they were taking a little league mentality of, you know, you just drop your kids off here at the church, and we'll take it from here. And there was no communication to parents that they biblically had a role in their kids' spiritual life, and the churches were doing nothing to help parents. And so it was, you know, it was, so parents weren't particularly involved in kids' spiritual lives, and it was, it was an indictment of the church, not an indictment of parents. Um, and then the, the biggest factor, though, by and large, was the theological content of youth ministry. There, the, there was a major study, a national study on youth and religion, it was conducted by UNC Chapel Hill in Oxford. And they, you know, it was a huge study. They, they surveyed, uh, did written surveys with 3,000 uh, teenagers, and then they did 30-minute uh, interviews with um, 300 teenagers where they just asked, tell us about your spiritual beliefs. These were kids raised in Christian churches, uh, most of whom were involved in youth ministry. And they came away and they said, you know, basically what these kids believe about Christianity does not resemble Christianity. 
Um, the, the, one of the books about this is called Almost Christian because the, um, the, the, what they believed was almost but not really Christianity. So the composite theology of American teenagers they described as moralistic, therapeutic deism. So moralism, they understood Christianity as a set of rules. Um, therapeutic, and this is you know, one of the tenet beliefs of this, was kids believed that Christianity was about bolstering their self-esteem. And it was about their own personal happiness. So the idea of, you know... We'll get them a trophy next Sunday. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the idea that, like, you were actually made for God's glory. You were actually made for the kingdom of God was not on their radar at all. It was all about them. And then finally, uh, deism. This is sad. This is very sad. Most kids understood God as, um, as distant, as, you know, he's way out there. And, and if I have a problem, he's like 911. Like, I can call God and he'll come and help. But as far as being sovereign in my life, you know, as far as being, you know, with me all the time, like, kids did not believe that. And they didn't learn this in a vacuum. This is what they learned in churches. And so um, this, this will break your heart. In the, in the interviews, they did, you know, 150 hours worth of interviews. The word gospel was not used one time in the interviews. And the word grace was used three times in total. And it was used six times in reference to the uh, sitcom Will and Grace, <laughs> and three times in reference to the you know biblical promise of God's love, God's love for sinners, you know God's unmerited yeah. love. So anyhow, um, I don't even remember what the original question was. Yeah, but, no, I mean, how but that's a that's a that, you know how do we get here? That's the, so current. So about with that being said, about ten years ago, the field of youth ministry was in total crisis. On you know where do we go from here? What do we do? And um, and yeah, so that's so. That's I mean, the so that's that's the lay of the land, generally speaking. Uh, I, I would, if you haven't seen that national uh, survey on youth and religion in America, uh, Christian Smith, who now teaches at Notre Dame, was at the time at Chapel Hill, uh, was the lead guy on that. Uh, it's really uh, helpful, uh, uh, eye-opening, uh, and alarming. And the statistic that I will never ever be able to shake is of all the denominations, the Episcopal Church fares worse than any other. So the statistic that's, the two that stuck with me was the percentage of children who grew up in a non-Christian home were more likely to be churchgoers and Christians later on than people who grew up in the Episcopal Church. So mm -hmm. your child would have a better chance of being evangelized and being a Christian if you kept them away. Now that, uh, now we're an exception to that, um, yeah. uh, certainly. Uh, but what, so the Advent and the ministry that you had up within the Advent, uh, the youth ministry, uh, that's, that's affected how we do things here. Mm -hmm. uh, but recognizing, gosh, nobody's really out there talking about, there are these big youth ministry umbrella organizations that try to help in equipping, but they're still operating under an old model or they're just, mm -hmm. so, we're actually, even at the Advent, going to uh, teach and, and train up uh, effective youth ministries. Yeah, so uh, do you want me to kind of tell the story yeah. of how that all got started? So I'll be honest, when we, this, so there's this ministry rooted that we'll, we're talking about here, and we're going to be talking about here in the, in the next bit. But um, we, you know, it was really back in 2010, Frank Limehouse had finished reading Michael Horton's book, Christless Christianity which talked about the absence of the gospel in the American church. 
And he and I were talking about it, and he said, you know, I think probably the place where there is the greatest absence of the gospel is youth ministry. And he told this story about a youth pastor he had had who um, they built a youth room at one of his old churches. He told the youth pastor that he could put whatever he wanted on the wall. Um, you know, he could, he could decorate the room anyway. And so he comes in when they had finished doing the, all the construction of the painting. <laughs> and he had put up on the wall a verse from Revelation 3 that says, you are either hot or cold. If you are lukewarm, I will spit you out. <laughs> that, was, that was the thematic and emblematic verse of the whole youth ministry. And they came flocking. They did. I mean, they just, yeah, they ate it like brownies. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, but anyhow, Limehouse made him change it to Romans 8.1. There's now, there, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Um, he's like, can't do that one, pal. Um, but anyhow, so Frank just said, like, I, I think we should do a conference about the gospel and youth ministry and nothing else. And so that was uh, 2010, and, you know, we... Um, we didn't honestly know anything about this like national crisis in youth ministry. So anyhow, we had this conference here. It was, I mean, we hemorrhaged money. Uh, we could not get anybody to come. We said if we could not get 30 people to come, then we were gonna cancel the conference. 31 people, hallelujah, signed up. <laughs> and, um, and I was on like prescription heartburn medicine by the end of it. It was, it was such a miserable experience. But anyhow, but, uh, and that, but the conference was just about the gospel and youth ministry. And, uh, However, at the end of it, the people who came first off said that they, they loved it. It was their favorite youth conference they'd ever come to. It was here in this room, actually. We actually spread out the chairs to, to like, there was like this much space between every chair to like mask how awkwardly small it was. Um, but anyhow, and they also started to say like, this is exactly what youth ministry conferences need to look like. Because we had gone to, um, we're talking about you know, youth ministry conferences. If you're in any different kind of field, you probably have a trade organization you know, where you go to, if you're a cardiologist or you know, a physician of some sort, your specialty has like a national trade show that you go to and you kind of subscribe to their magazine and you go to the show every year, you go to some continuing education, read their blog, follow them on Twitter, whatever. And so, but anyhow, it's the same thing in youth ministry. And so you know, even after all this research, the youth ministry had failed. Um, in, in the old model of entertainment and moralism, the, the big national trade shows had not adapted any. Like, they were still proliferating the same model. I mean, if you follow one of the largest, um, one of the largest trade shows on Twitter, probably 25% of their tweets are new games to play at youth ministry. And not that, not that there's anything wrong with playing games. Like, we will play a game tonight at youth ministry, but that's not, like, the face that's not the face of our youth ministry. Like the face of our youth ministry is Jesus. That you know what we try to offer is hope, meaning, and you know joy and peace in Christ. You know in the context of community. Um, but um, so anyhow, with that being said, we started to kind of connect the dots on. Okay, we had this tiny youth ministry conference, um, and it's very small, but it seems to be answering the problem because the opposite of moralistic therapeutic deism is the gospel. You know, because the gospel says that Christianity is first about what Jesus has done for us and then what we do in response to that rather than just being a set of rules. And the gospel says that, like, your life is much greater than your self-esteem. You know, your, your life, you were born for the glory of God. You were born for God's kingdom. And then deistic, you know, the gospel says that God actually comes and lives in you in the Holy Spirit. Like, 
God is sovereign in everything in your life, from before the foundation of the world to this moment to the future. And so we just kind of started to think, all right, so this is small, but we may have something to contribute to the broader field of youth ministry. And that was kind of the birth of, um, that was the birth of, of Rooted back in 2010. And it was pretty cool because this really all started with just people in our congregation. At Wally Evans, there's no way it gets off the ground without Wally lending his like marketing and conference experience and you know people bringing blueberry muffins and you know, all kinds of people volunteering and helping. So, so anyhow, that, that was kind of the, the birth of it. Right, and that's only, that's, that's six years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and you've grown up considerably uh, to the yeah. extent that, tell us a little bit about uh, some of the subsequent conferences, yeah. what kind of, who the speakers are. Uh, who's showing up at, at these conferences? Yeah, like yeah, sure. Well, I'll say um, in terms of like where it's gone from there, you know, we, from people who came to the conference who were very, very passionate about the gospel-centered youth ministry, um, we formed like a team and we defined like a philosophy of ministry that was based, you know, based on a biblical model of ministry, like what the Bible says about ministering to young people, but also based on all the research um, that, you know, had come out about what, what we, you know, what is, what are the ingredients of effective youth ministry? And so we decided that, you know, what we're trying to do is transform the way that youth ministry is done around, the, you know, around the country, even around, it's turned out to be around the world now. But um, so anyhow, so we kind of, the gospel-centered youth ministry we define is like with five tenets. Um, first is gospel centrality. So basically, if nothing else, a kid leaves a church when they're 19, understanding that Christianity is first about God's love for sinners through Christ. By the way, um, <laughs> In one of the studies, they found, they asked kids, uh, well, first off, that one of the top experts on this, her name is Kara Powell at Fuller uh, Theological Seminary. She was asked by Christianity Today in 2014 about, you know, what is the most significant factor on whether or not a kid will stick with Christ in the church after high school. And she said their clarity and their ability to define the gospel. So if they understand the gospel as us being good, good people for Christian, the likelihood that they're going to stick with Christianity is not very high. Um, if, however, they define the gospel as you know what God has done for us or God's love for sinners, then it's very high. And so, in one of the studies, they they asked kids this question: define the gospel, and 65% of them defined it as be a good person for God. That's a failure. Like that is a, that is an embarrassing. That is a I mean, a tragic, deplorable failure. If if you know you've had 18 years to invest in a kid's life, and they come out of your church, and all they, the only thing they, their their understanding of the Christian message, message is just be a good person. They don't understand about you know God loving broken, flawed people. Like that's that's terrible. Anyhow, sorry, I'm getting off track. So five tenets, five tenets: gospel centrality, theological depth through biblical through biblical teaching. So trying to give kids a you know a solid Christian worldview for when they have a tragedy or they have the atheist philosophy professor in college. Um, I mean, come on, we all know it's going to happen, or they're going to have the kid who, you know, who was a debater in high school and has read all the Dawkins neo-atheism. Anyhow, and it's going to try to talk them out of their faith. Um, partnering with parents, like uh, churches, youth ministries, doing what they can to help parents invest in their kids spiritually. Um, relational discipleship, like there's no, you can give kids all the answers. If they don't have people, mentors, investing in their life uh, and helping them understand how the knowledge translates into how they live their life, it's not... Um, 
you know, it's just it's wood, hay, and straw. And then finally, uh, integrating kids into the life of the church in an intergenerational fashion. So we kind of we defined gospel-centered youth ministry, which we thought was kind of like the answer, which honestly, it's not the answer. It's just Christianity. I mean, it's just doing what the Bible says in terms of ministering to kids. And so we decided we were going to, you know, pursue transforming the way that youth ministry is done through conferences, communications, and then we say connections. And so the connections piece is really, you know, uh, building a network of people trying to do gospel-centered youth ministry, doing consulting and mentoring for people who are trying to do this and struggling. Um, and then we're working on like a local, local networks around the, around the country. And then uh, connection, uh, sorry, communications has really been our most powerful piece. Um, communications includes our blog, our podcast, and then different publishing projects. And, um, and so like, for example, in our blog, we started five years ago. We had five writers. We had 1,000 readers, and we published one article a week. Today, we have 80 writers. Uh, we publish four articles a week. We have a readership of six, 60,000. And uh, we're like the 21st most read youth ministry blog in the world. And we think we'll easily be in the top 10 in the next, um, like in the next two years, probably. Um, also in communications, we're the youth ministry provider in terms of content on, on, um, on Gospel uh, yeah, on Go Gospel Coalition. We're the youth ministry provider. So we publish about 18 articles a year for them. And we do, we provide speakers for their conferences and things like that. And, you know, when we publish an article there, on average, it gets 30 to 40,000 reads. Um, that's one of the four or five most read Christian publications in the world. So their readership is like over 50 million. And so, um, so we're providing all of the youth ministry content for them. And, uh, and then, you know, our, we have our podcast, which we have a few, art, few episodes a, week, uh, a, a month. And then our book, we, um, we're getting into kind of publishing books to, you know, again, all this gearing towards transforming the landscape of youth ministry. But our book that we published this year, Gospel-Centered Youth Ministry, um, has been the most read youth ministry book of this year, or sorry, the, the, the highest selling youth ministry book of this year. And it's tracking to be the all-time best-selling youth ministry book of all times. It's already sold like 5,500 copies for this year, which the highest selling youth ministry book of all times is like 12,000. Uh, so with that being said, in the first six months, we're already like halfway home to being the top selling youth ministry book of all time. So, I mean, the impact has been just like huge on the communications end. And, uh, and then with the conference, the conference, conference has not grown in numbers tremendously. I mean, we, we did two conferences in Birmingham. We did one in Atlanta, one in New York, one in uh, Chicago, and we just finished one in San Diego. And, um, you know, our numbers have gone from like 31 to 55 to 60 to 100 to 250. And then on the West Coast, none of our East Coast contingency came, so we only had about 150. But like at our Chicago conference, we had people from 36 states and six different countries. So it has been, I mean, it's, it's um, people who have been into it have just like flocked to the conference. And our rating, um, what was I going to say? By the way, we're going off all these numbers. I, I want this, to, I, I, you know, it's, um, I, I, I say this as like an encouragement of like what the Lord has done. Because, I mean, first conference, it was like Keystone Cops kind of stuff. I mean, it, it really was. I mean, it was so small and so humble that we had like my birthday party, my like birthday cake at the first conference. And 
I'll also say too, just my, my involvement on the day-to-day -day operations is like very limited now because we have like three employees and we have all, you know, we have like eight different volunteer teams. We have about a hundred different volunteers total. And so, um, so with that being said, like this is not a yay Cameron show. This is a, a yay God show and hallelujah for the people who've like really, you know, worked for very little pay and worked for no pay. Um, but our conference, we asked people, is this the best youth ministry conference you've ever gone to? And at the Chicago conference, 98% of the people said yes. And then at the San Diego conference, 100% of the people said yes. So in terms of providing something that is an attractive alternative to the other you know, industry trade shows, like we think the Lord has like helped us to do that. So, I mean, one of the things that I think is remarkable is it, it starts... It starts here just with an idea and through some conversation and prayer. And uh, it's now not just impacting youth ministers and youth ministry uh, around the world, but impacting churches. So um, yeah. the, the youth ministry may actually have a better handle on the gospel uh, and not just a ministry to the kids, but an actual ministry to the church. Mm -hmm. um, and have you, have you run into that at all? Yeah, sorry, can you... Yeah, so, like, the, so the youth minister comes to uh, one of the Rooted conferences yeah. and, and says, look, I, I do get pressure from my senior pastor of my church, basically, to make sure that they stay out of trouble. Uh, they, I, I've asked my senior pastor what the gospel is, and, and they've said, be a good person. Uh, and so we're not just ministering to the kids. The yeah. youth ministry is being used to evangelize uh, the church. Yeah, and you know, I would say we don't necessarily run into the head pastor does not clear on the gospel so, so much as we do, you know, a youth pastor says like, hey, this is how I think we need to do youth ministry. I think we need to build relationships with kids. I think we need to form community, try to form like a welcoming group of, you know, a winsome group of Christian community, a winsome environment of Christian community. And I think we need to like teach kids the Bible and proclaim the gospel and you know, invest in their lives and invest in their parents too. And the youth pastor and the head pastor typically says, like, look, we, you know, kids aren't going to come yeah, to that. Boring. Yeah, I think that's going to be really boring. But here's the thing, like, you know, the world is so much more entertaining now. You know, you have Netflix, you have incredible gaming systems, you have, you know, smartphones. If you're trying to compete as a church, if you're trying to compete with, for kids' attention by being more entertaining than the world, then you're just totally going to fail. You know, and and so especially if you have someone like me who is just not that fun. Like you know, I I'm just not. I don't know any games. Uh, I don't have many good jokes. I'm just not that much fun. Um, all all I can all I can say is I do feel like I can have meaningful conversations with teenagers. I do feel like I can teach the Bible in a way that's somewhat interesting and engaging. And um, and I do love to like go to soccer games and football games and, and school plays and stuff like that. I just really enjoy that. And just and I really, really like being involved with parents. I, that, I have that to offer. But trying to be fun, like, I'm not even, I'm not, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not as fun as Atari, much less, you know, a PlayStation and Xbox. Anyhow. Um, well, what so, about, what but so about, I was going to say, that tends to be, you know, an issue we run into. But we have seen a number of churches where, um, where they have just, like, redone their model, where they've gone from fun and games attractional style ministry and now they're doing like gospel-centered youth ministry that's focused on forming kids who have lasting faith mm -hmm. and we've even had a number of our experienced youth pastors who work with churches to like to change their models so we had um, someone who went to seminary actually with Joe Gibbs Darren DePaul uh, who was in South Carolina he published an article 
and there was someone in rural Washington State who had been in youth ministry for five or six years, and he said, you know, I have like, I'm getting, I have no traction, like, uh, my youth ministry has very little vibrancy, and I don't feel like I'm making any impact in kids' lives, and I just, I read your article about discipleship and gospel-centered youth ministry, and like, I really, I know that I need to change, like, will you help me? And so Darren worked with him, you know, over the course of six months to like reform their model. And that's pretty cool when you think about a place like Washington State, where you know, Christianity is just not exactly uh, the norm, right. <laughs> as compared to, say, Birmingham in yeah. South Carolina. Yeah, what, um, you know, and, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, um, because I'm going to make you be possibly critical. Sure. Uh, but one of the great issues you mentioned in youth ministry is that it's somehow divorced from the congregation at, mm-hmm. at large. I mean, part of that is just natural because teenagers would probably rather hang out with teenagers and, and they've got their own vibe. But what are some things the Advent can, can do and what are some things that, um, and, and where the youth ought to actually have more of an impact on, on how we do ministry yeah. uh, around here at the Advent? Yeah, so are you talking about in particular like how can kind of kids integrate into the congregation and contribute yeah, like, to the congregation? Like yeah, Sunday morning. Totally, yeah. yeah well, I think, you know, one thing that we have going for us in the Episcopal Church is uh, you tend to see in African-American congregations and in congregations where you have a liturgical style of worship, it tends to be conducive to intergenerational ministry. So, for example, you know, if your child is an acolyte, that's a, that's, that's, that's a very, very good practice for your child in terms of um, promoting their long-term faith because they're interacting with adults as they do that, they're in worship, and they're a contributor at a church. Like, they have a paradigm for being a contributor. Or if your child does Bible adventures or helps out with VBS, um, you know, things of that nature. Uh, you know, more and more we like to see more kids helping out with children's Sunday school. And then on top of that, you know, with our, with our ministry, we have... Um, we have about seven kids who teach, who are senior high, teach junior high Bible studies. We have eight kids who are senior, like kind of student pastors to, as, as 11th to 12th graders to 9th graders. And so the more things you can do where kids have a, a, an actual, real, meaningful role where they're a contributor in the church, the more that's going to do to promote their, um, you know, their long-term faith and their long-term church attendance. And then on top of that, as far as, like, people in the congregation, you know, one thing we have this year is we have, like, the team of 31, which is people typically in the senior portion of of our church, a lot of people who are homebound, who have a day of the month where they pray for the kids. And we tell the kids that. Like, there is, is, you know, someone in our church, most likely an elderly person, who, by the way, if you're if you're not elderly and you're and you're on this list, I'm not meaning to insult you, but we but we've we've partnered with Catherine Kilpatrick in this. Um, it's why we do the Palm Crosses with the seniors ministry. They, there's a there there's one statistic on if a, the the there's a direct correlation between a kid like the number of people that a kid feels invested in their life who are outside their generation and who are not their parents and their likelihood that they'll attend church as a 20-something. So if a kid says, like, yeah, I had someone, a lady in my church who prayed for me, and I had this, you know, 20-something who was my Bible study leader, and I had, you know, this acolyte leader who helped me, the more people that they can individually identify, um, the more more it helps, contributes to their long-term retention in the church.
So it, just even like saying things to encourage kids, like even if, even if you see a kid walking around in an act like gown, <laughs> and, um, and you say like, hey, thanks for helping out this morning, or when you see the little children when they sing on a Sunday morning, if you say thank you so much for singing, like that is making a positive deposit um, more than you would realize towards that kid's long-term faith. Questions for, for Cameron? Can I show my little slideshow real fast? Oh, yeah, yeah. Show the Sorry, this is kind of cool. I wanted to show Kathy, this. Kathy, you get first. Just yeah, yeah. I just wanted to show you some of the faces of people who are involved in the ministry. Um, this is the cover of our book. Um, but uh, just to give you a sense, and also, too, there's, there are a lot of Advent people who are involved in this. So this is Ross Ryan. He's the head of YouthWorks College in Australia. And we have a partnership with them where they're, um, they're a fantastic seminary. This is that they were established by Moore. Um, anyhow, a, a, a seminary that's Anglican, that's theologically similar to the Advent, but we're working with him. That he's providing like Australian writers for our blog, and we're trying to help them provide youth ministry training, not just in Australia, but here in North America. So that, that, is, that is Ross. This is uh, in the middle. Her name is Liz uh, Tramp, and she and her brother grew up in a very legalistic environment, uh, church environment, and when they finished, they came to know the gospel. And, um, and they were, um, they live in rural South Dakota. And when they heard about Rooted, um, they were like, oh my goodness, like we hated legalistic youth ministry. So anything that's going to preach grace in youth ministry, we're on board for. So they drove eight hours to the Denver airport, and then they flew to Atlanta, and they rode public transit to get to our Atlanta conference. So to give you a sense of like how all in some of these people are, um, this is Peter Ong, and uh, Peter's over here, and this is Clark Phobes. Peter, um, Peter's in New York City, in Queens. He grew, he grew up, he was an immigrant child, he was in a gang growing up, and he did uh, youth ministry to kids in gangs for about 15 years. And then Clark is in San Francisco, and Rooted identified that uh, generally, traditionally youth ministry, big youth ministry organizations, they're businesses, they're not actually ministries, and so they tend to just invite and invest in white suburban churches. So they had very few offerings for Asian American churches or for churches in urban settings. And so these two guys are part of our um, Asian American youth ministry team. So we have an entire track at our conference just for Asian American youth pastors. And 40% uh, of, our, of our attendees at our California conference were from Asian American churches. Um, this is Kristen Hatton. She's actually coming to speak in two weeks at our church. She's, writ she, she's written books about the gospel as it relates to teenage girls. And she is, uh, she's a mom and used to do college ministry, um, but she, uh, she's one of our writers. This is Melanie Lacey. She's at Oak Hill College in London, and she writes for us. Um, this is David Plant. This was Tim Keller's first youth minister. He was on our uh, steering committee um, for almost from the very beginning, and uh, David contributed to our book, and he's been a part of our leadership. I'll skip Davis. He's great, but no need to get into him. This is a guy in Vancouver who um, had read, had, had started writing for us, but um, he, he's the only person in Vancouver he knows of trying to do gospel and youth ministry. He's been real encouraged by our blog. This is Anna Harris. Some of you may know her. She, um, she writes for us, and um, that she has the top-selling um, top book ever from uh, Books A Million uh, self-publishing, and she wrote a book for kids, a devotional for kids in their first year of college. This is Joe LaRussa, who is, you know, an adventer. He has a real passion and expertise on um, science and religion and, and, you know, kids not being afraid of science. And 
understanding how it can promote their faith, and Joe writes for us. Um, this is Charlotte Botsford Getz, um, who is our blog editor. Uh, she lives in Los Angeles, and um, she works for us part-time, and it probably feels like full-time. Um, but Charlotte was our youth pastor here from 2006 to 2008, and Charlotte is an all-star. I mean, she is unbelievable. So those are just some of the like, stories and faces with the ministry. It's just kind of cool to see individuals involved. Sorry, questions. No, no, I actually, uh, we'll, we'll take uh, Kathy and maybe one more. You can make it a minute or less. Okay, I just want to know some of your speakers at your conferences. Sure. Our last conference, Michael Horton, was our keynote. Um, that's, pretty, that's a pretty big deal. Um, and uh, Jessica Thompson, whose mom is Elise Fitzpatrick, wrote the book Give, Give Him Grace. Uh, D.A. Carson, he's one of the top New Testament scholars in the world. He spoke in Chicago. Um, yeah, there was a guy named Ben Shin, who's a huge deal in the Asian American church. I had never heard of him, um, go figure. But, um, but yeah, he spoke at our last conference as well. Mary Bradley. Cameron Hay. Um, I just wanted to take a minute to thank you for all the tremendous work that you do with these kids and for answering the call in your life the way you have. I know this method that you were just explaining, I know, takes probably a lot more investment and effort than maybe just pizza parties and, and like you said, dodgeball and things like that. So thank you for everything that you're doing for our little ones. And, um, sure. And um, thank you to uh, Sweet Lauren for sharing so much of your time with our little ones. Cameron has a lot of free time during the day. And so uh, if you have... Uh, you might want to ask my wife During the work day. Uh, so if you have any questions, uh, or you just want to give them a word of encouragement... Can I say uh, one last thing? Yes. One last thing. Yeah, I know. Um, one last thing is, so, you know, I talked about how we have an Asian-American track at our, uh, at our conference. We are now, starting in 2017, going to have a parent track. Um, and we're going to be having, uh, every week, an article that's meant to help parents in, in, in the discipleship of their own kids, and we're going to hope to expand that to five articles a week over the next five years. So um, our next conference is in Dallas, and, um, and we would love to take, I don't know, 100 people from our church uh, out to Dallas um, to go to that, because it, it's a phenomenal, I mean, the preaching and teaching is unbelievable. It's like Lenten lunch on steroids for 48 hours. And the next um, when yeah, it'll, it'll be next October, October 26th through 28th. And then Alabama's the next year weekend. is Honolulu. Uh, yeah, kidding, we kidding. only do conferences in places you want to take your wife on vacation. Dallas doesn't really qualify, but oh well. Well, let's, let's pray uh, for Cameron and the youth ministry. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy and for uh, using us, Lord. It's uh, overwhelming, and we often uh, yet still take it for granted uh, how you use the Advent and those you have raised up uh, in our midst. Uh, Lord, that we would ever keep our eyes focused on you. Uh, Lord, also guard us from self-righteousness, mm -hmm. that we might in great love and mercy uh, reach out to those who uh, do not know you, and that uh, by word and deed uh, they might uh, hear and see uh, the good news of Jesus. Bless Cameron and his team. Uh, Lord, especially uh, uh, MBC and uh, Katie Carroll, uh, we pray that uh, Katie and uh, Mary Beth would uh, be used in the lives of these young women and that you would continue to raise up those in our midst uh, to reach uh, the youth uh, for you and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.